Today on Locked on Rockies, back-to-back sweeps at home, and not the good kind. You are Locked on Rockies, your daily Colorado Rockies podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Rock on Rockies fans, welcome into the Locked on Rockies podcast for today, the 17th day of June in the year 2022. I'm Paul Holden, your Rockies fan extraordinaire, bringing you your daily Colorado Rockies talk. Following this team on the Locked On podcast for over a year now and been working in the radio world for quite a bit longer. You can follow all sorts of stuff of what I do at Paul Holden 33. We thank you for making Locked On Rockies your first listen of the day. You can find us free and streaming on all your favorite streaming services as well as live streaming on YouTube and all your favorite Locked On podcasts are there as well. Just like the Locked On Guardians podcast and today on Locked On Rockies, the host of Locked On Guardians joins us. Let's bring him on to the show right now. Jeff Ellis from Locked On Guardians. How's it going? And for me, it's going well. Uh, yeah, maybe you're in not a much better mood than so I am. much for uh, Rockies fans. I, you know, we were talking beforehand. Uh, I'll say, though, you have us beat on announcing, Uh, you know, (laughs) my personal story for Rockies fans who maybe don't know this background. It's uh, how to make it quick. But like as a kid, I didn't have cable and we had like WUAB 43 would have Guardians games on weekend. It was literally the only way I could watch baseball. And it was Jack Corgan and Mike Keegan. Now, Mike Keegan would go on to be a radio guy. His dad, Jim, was a catcher. But Corgan was like, for most of my life, my favorite TV guy. And when UAB lost it, they had to make a decision who to keep between Rick Manning and Jack Corgan. And I'm still to this day bitter that they kept uh, Rick Manning, who means we lost my favorite announcer because of him. And it's also why the Guardians had to uh, trade away a 21 year old Dennis Eckersley because of Manning. So it's, you know, it, it's the, the fun stories that don't go away. But yeah, that's uh, I, I intentionally spent. Uh, I'm going to go back and rewatch today's game. I didn't get a chance to during the day, but I, I watched all of these uh with MLB TV using the the Rockies radio to to hear Corgan because uh, again he's the voice of my youth so that's kind of some background some uh, you you might have lost all three games but you still have the better announce uh, grouping <laughs> and we'll take you know you it's funny you say that uh, that he's the voice of your youth because he's the voice of my youth too because the entire like I don't remember a Rockies broadcaster b- before Corrigan he's always I never maybe I wasn't paying attention is not but when I listen to Rockies games when me and my dad were listening when I would listen to Rockies games in the car it's always been Corrigan that's all I can remember and 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 I actually really didn't know about his Cleveland ties until relatively recently actually after the uh after he passed the milestone of of 3000 games and he calls a good game I mean I don't think the Rockies broadcast is necessarily quote unquote anything special but I think they call a good game and it's entertaining I I often like the radio broadcast I think the TV side's fine enough I'm not always the biggest fan of some stuff, but I think the radio side's a pretty pretty darn good broadcast. Yeah, uh, Corgan was there from like eighty five to two thousand one. I'm forty, you know, just mm-hmm. as the background. So for me, it's like uh, I gr- I was class of two thousand. So it's like you know, right as I was going away to school and you know, got interested in other things and sports uh, went a little bit more back burnery for me uh, was when he left. And just as an adult now, I'm like, man, and and I'll say this, like 
I was impressed to hear like the talk about guys barreling and mm -hmm. exit velocities. And this is kind of like the dirty little secret in Cleveland. We have one of maybe the most analytically driven model based front office in baseball, a highly successful one. I mean, you can go and look at half of baseball almost is run by former people from Cleveland. Um, I mean, the Rockies at their peak of success. I'm not always that impressed with Dan O'Dowd when it comes to, like the draft. Um, not my favorite guy, but he, he was a Cleveland guy, you know, that's where he came up and we have announcers who never mention, you know, none of that. It, we hear a lot about RBIs <laughs> and I get it. Part of it right now. And the reason they're really pushing RBIs is because Jose Ramirez is near the lead in that. But, uh, I mean, just to hear the Rockies broadcast, maybe the Rockies fans got a bit annoyed, but it was also nice just to hear the Jose Ramirez love and the, the, the talk about the fun fact where it's like, he's got more doubles and strikeouts or he's got almost as many home runs as strikeouts and talking about pro I it, appreciate it is all I'm saying. Like there's most, most people I know in the, I don't know how you quantify like the blogosphere, like not the non-official media, the official media is a lot. I mean, there's some people like Zach Meisel and Ben Axelrod who do amazing work. There's definitely an older generation who doesn't like, know anything from like 1985 or later mm -hmm. you know they haven't adapted and grown with it so for like the younger generation like it, it's just a general rule if you have mlb tv you listen to the other broadcast like that's it's sad but it's true so yeah. that's what it's like as a cleveland uh listener i you know i i, I love tom hamilton he has a great call of the game but it, it is definitely um none of them i when uh, I believe when like the Atlantic, the Atlantic, when the athletic did the rankings of announcers, Cleveland was like bottom five for it. And, and, you know, there's a reason. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you say that our analytics, our, 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 our broadcast talks more about analytics than I think our front office cares about analytics because the Rockies desperately need an analytics driven approach. That was actually our podcast all day. Thursday was talking about how another story comes out about a player leaving this, in this case, Yancy Almonte a reliever for the uh, Dodgers leaves the Rockies gets introduced to a bunch of stuff that Colorado wasn't showing him. And what happens? He turns out to be a pretty darn good reliever for another NL West uh, rival, but let's hone in on the game. And you know, Jeff, a big sweep, but I gotta say, a pretty ugly series of baseball for, for both teams. I don't really think either team necessarily uh, thrived. There were players that had great performances. There were things to enjoy. But in terms of quality baseball for these two clubs, I would say this was kind of a dud of a series. Yeah, it was. I agree. I mean, it is funny. Like, I was literally, I always respond to every YouTube comment. But I was like, and someone's like, hey, be positive. It's a fun stretch of baseball. I'm like, I can't be like they tried their darndest to give away this series and they just couldn't do it. I, and I mean, just uh, odd, like all three games ending on double plays. I don't think I've ever heard of a series right. where that happened before. I don't know if anyone, like if a scouting stat has said, if that has ever occurred, but it was just an odd, odd series. It was very messy. Um, you know, the, the, luckily we have Jose Ramirez and he was spectacular um, Ahmed Rosario has really struggled this year, but that was something else I found out from the Colorado Rockies broadcast is he has always, even back to his Mets days, murdered the Rockies. So uh, those two were able to carry him through. But yeah, it, I don't think either fan base can sit back and be like, those were, were fun. I mean, not necessarily not fun to watch baseball, but the, that was the maybe the dirty, you know, the opposite of clean is dirty, but that sounds <laughs> wrong to say it was the dirtiest series of the year. But, you know, it yeah. was definitely the... Uh, 
it was definitely for me, I think it was the sloppiest series I had seen for the the Guardians, especially with one where they win, let alone sweep it. Yeah, and and I mean the Rockies didn't do themselves any favors. Drop balls today, multiple errors, extending a franchise long streak of errors committed at home. Elias Diaz literally throws the game away. Uh, they're trying to throw down on third. Charlie Blackman doesn't read a bobbled ball. It's just stuff that simply can't happen. And, you know, but but here's the deal. Kind of on the flip side, Cleveland's the one winning those games. And, and winning those type of games, those ugly games, matter in the long run. And Cleveland now has gets a nice boost above 500. I mean, you might not feel great. You feel great about the the three wins in a row, especially on the road. And I believe you mentioned a home run prone pitcher not giving up a single home run in Colorado. Yeah, Tristan McKenzie. So uh, he's he's been, you know, arguably their best pitcher this year. And the last time he had not given up a home run in a game before this was May 7th. He gave up two in Minnesota, one in Houston, two in Detroit. Uh, three in Baltimore, two in Oakland. I mean, as a matter of fact, the last time he didn't give up multiple home runs was, was May 23rd. Uh, May 1st to May 7th, no home runs. And then his first three starts, no home runs. I mean, he's been averaging more than a home run a start. Uh, so it was it was unusual. I, I expected at least one home run uh, in this one. And Eli Morgan's been spectacular this year. So, But his, his minor league data was always very home run um, prone. And even last year is very home run prone. And both of those guys pitched in this game and somehow neither of them managed to give up a home run. If you want to hit a home run for your health, well, I got the product for you. It's called Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is one delicious scoop of 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. All the things. All you got to do is drink this down before you eat anything and start your day, and you're going to see a lot of benefits, especially when it comes to energy and for your health. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews, and it's recommended by professional athletes, trusted by leading health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael uh, Jervis, I should say. I think that's the name. Athletic Greens is a climate neutral certified company. And right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash MLB Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash MLB Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Jeff, I'm curious here from what, why were why, the bullpen, especially, and, and, and I know you didn't see this game, but, but why, what, what makes the, that cutter so special? What makes this uh, guardians bullpen so special to keep the Rockies off the board when they have multiple opportunities in the game late uh, to score some runs? It is a bullpen that has really come together this year, if I'm being honest. Uh, I, you know, I also appreciate the broadcast when it's like, you know, former Rocky Brian Shaw. It's like, 
Brian Shaw and Jake McGee, I talked about on the show yesterday. It's like neither of them worked out. Uh, and then Shaw went, Shaw worked out. Last year, he was fool's gold and he fell apart at July 1st. We'll see if that happens, but he's he's been great for them this year. Um, so Eli Morgan is like a, one of my big brag points because first off, um, back during his draft class, I was uh, a draft and prospect writer at 24-7. And I literally at the start of the eighth round said, Hey, uh, at guardians Twitter, like, isn't this the round where you're supposed to draft Eli Morgan? Cause he fit all there. And then they promptly did. And from that moment on, I've been like, okay, he's got a, a honestly a 70 grade change up, put him in the bullpen. See if it plays up. Now, a lot of people talk about maybe we take him out of the bullpen. He has been so good. This is a role I've been calling for since literally he was drafted. I'm like, put him in the bullpen, fast track him he is their most valuable reliever. Class A has been solid. He seems to always get into a little bit of trouble. And even though it's his stuff is ridiculous, he doesn't miss as many bats as people expect. Morgan has been the glue guy. Uh, Trevor Steffen still has a chance to be the greatest Rule 5 pick in uh, franchise history because they've had literally zero success with the Rule 5 draft. They've lost many a good player, but uh, I think like two, you got to get better than 2.5 war uh, for a career to be the greatest Rule 5 draft pick in Guardians history. That's, that's how poor they've been at it um well having someone like anthony santander with baltimore is a recent loss who's definitely <laughs> better than that but uh you know he's really the new pitch has worked well for him he's come in sam henches is someone i actually called for to be released in the offseason they worked with him a bunch i uh, it's just it's i feel like it's the coaching and it's you get down to it it's everyone it's again the how well they do with just the coaching internally um and it's not just here uh, what's happening with the Yankees with Nelson, right? Nelson, or is it N Nestor Cortez? Who's the Yankees mm -hmm. pitching coach, Matt Blake, who, uh, you know, brag moment is a Twitter follower of mine uh, from his, <laughs> from his guardians days. Uh, you know, they, San Diego one got Ruben Niebla for a reason from the guardians this off season. And Cleveland was actively mining San Diego for pitching because they knew they couldn't develop. Uh, it's just putting guys in that right role, figuring out what the limit they're, there is so much data now in the game. It has made for it's made things like drafting. It's made things like development easier to a degree, as long as an organization is smart and knows how to kind of take that data, but more importantly, also knows how to then teach that data. You know, there's a lot of organizations you know, I, and it's not just Colorado. Like I, I remember having discussions with Mike Clevenger when he was a guy in double A, no one cared about because he had been traded for Benny Bastano, who was already viewed as like a, a dead arm. And Clevenger talked about, yeah, when I went to the Angels, they gave me a binder. When I came to Cleveland, they like showed me videos of how I pitch and how I need to like change A, B, C, and D to be more effective. Like it was night and day. And it's stuff like that. Like they sat down and really worked with these guys and they completely rebuilt this pen with guys who are already here um, in undefined roles. And they've got five really interesting relievers sitting in AAA. None of them huge prospects. None of them. Nick Miklajak is probably the biggest name prospect, but the, I mean, they've just, you got a left-hander, Andrew Misiakis, um, small school guy, but he just graduated from double A where he was striking out almost 50% of batters with a walk rate under two. Like they just, they know what they're doing. They can put it together. It's a, it's a nice situation to have. And honestly, no matter what they do, they're going to lose probably two to three guys in the rule five draft at the end of this year, just because they build up so much and there's nothing. I mean, the depth is unreal and it's just going to stay that way unless they can find some kind of all in trade to make. Why are teams 
like the Guardians more. Why are teams more willing to accept that? Why are the Rockies so stuck in their ways? I mean, I often bring it back to the fact that it's Dick Momfort and his loyalty and it's his it's his club. I really think that's the core of the problem, especially when the Rockies this offseason bring in some people to beef up this analytics staff and two of and most of them leave within a year, which means I'm gonna I'm just assuming but Dick Momfort's coming in there, getting his big old greasy paws in there, trying to mess around with things that he has no business doing. Why are teams like the Guardians more willing to do this? I mean, the Rockies are screaming for an outside, fresh air, unique perspective to make this team something special. And yet they're still the, the story of three years ago, two years ago is analytics department was doing the laundry at the same time. I'm just curious if you have any ideas what it was in, in the history of the Guardians that just made them decide analytics, this focus, we need to do this. I, I actually have a kind of a funny Rocky story. If you want to hear it when it comes to the draft and Please. scouting. Um, so again, I wrote for scout in 24 seven. I, I replaced Kylie McDaniel at scout. It's kind of, uh, and it was, you know, it was a very cool experience for a lot of years before those sites, unfortunately got rid of baseball. Uh, but I, I would, my home, uh, place to scout was Kent State, and this was like back Eric Lauer, Kent State. Um, you know uh, Zach Plesac at Ball State. It was it was a good time to to be around there. And I remember going to a game, and I'm sitting there, and I'm uh, I'm with a scout for the Angels, and he and I are discussing uh, Connor Capel and Taylor Trammell because that's both when they were just popping. Like this was before Trammell was like really a name. And he also asked me, he also asked me about Brian Reynolds, and we both agreed he was kind of a meh. Uh, player so it's not all perfect with me i'm not gonna sit back and be like i did <laughs> i gave brian reynolds like a late second round grade and i go he doesn't hit enough for the corners and he's not a good enough defender for center so you know i can i can be honest but uh the, the scout agreed with me he was there and it was an ohio state game was in town and ohio state ended up having six guys drafted that year um ronnie dawson was a second round pick to houston uh the Kent, uh, Kent State had six guys drafted that year and like four guys drafted. So these were like pretty loaded squads. Uh, and I'm discussing prospects with this scout uh, who's, you know, getting data the whole time we're discussing. And it, it's an older gentleman. We still like clocking times and doing this. And the Rocky scout is having a very loud discussion about Dan Ugla's wife. Um, like the whole time. Like I heard these stories about like Dan Ugla's wife that I won't get into because it's none of my business to share that. But these were two very loaded teams. I got to hear all about what Dan Ugla had gone through with his wife and some other stories. And then I also got to hear how he was pissed at everyone because uh, he had just come back from scouting Joe Adele and they had made a moronic move. And I think it was like, it was like, I, you know, that was the year they signed and blanking on the guy from the Mets and lost their first round pick, the 2017 draft. Um and I don't know if Adele would have been there or not. I'd have to go look at, but it's like, I, I don't know how much of the game he was watching or following. Uh, it was just totally, it was like the very basic, like looking at the notebook. Cause you know, you do, if you can t swipe a look, you're curious to see. It was like just all the scouting cliches. Um, and then it was just him discussing someone's wife and their craziness. And then me and this other guy discussing who the pop-up players are, um, you know, uh, Jose Miranda was someone we also discussed who had just popped up who's with the tw you know just got the twins call up and we were talking about like I said uh, it was Connor Capel and uh and Taylor Trammell were kind of emerging and we were just going through and talking about players here and there uh he was in the other guy this guy was there to get Tim Montgomery times Ohio State center fielder but yeah it was like I said 
12 guys in that game got drafted and I don't know if the Rocky scout watched half of them. So, you know, that's, that's kind of what you're dealing with. I know it's not necessarily for the guardians. You know, why did they get into the stats? It's just, uh, it wasn't John Hart. He gets a lot of credit, uh, but actually that entire core outside of Kenny Lofton, he inherited. And then he just had the smart people in place and they slowly kept integrating more and more. And, uh, Last year when we did the green room stuff, I actually had someone who used to work with the Guardians hop in. He was trying to recruit me to come do the uh, the other website, uh, the clubhouses. Uh, and he was discussing how, like, I mean, even in the 90s, the Guardians were doing stuff with videography that would be, like, getting them in trouble now. Like, things similar to what the Astros did. They just always had the right people in place. And I think the best thing you can say, I know I'm talking forever and taking the whole mic time, but... <laughs> Uh, for all the annoyance with being a small market team and an owner who won't spend in a bottom five salary is it's a really easy place to work. And, you know, they, I, you know, cheering off was heavily recruited by the Mets. And at the end of the day, and he's from New York, like it was a chance to go home and run the team. He rooted for as a kid with a billionaire owner with bottomless pockets. And he chose to stay in Cleveland and be the secondary guy because it's a comfortable place. It's a place where they know they don't have to deal with stuff. So I think, for as much as like, I'm excited for the blitzer news that came out today. I think it's great to not be like one of the poorest teams in baseball, but my one concern as a Cleveland fan in general, it's like we all hated out learner uh, and then Lerner's son who I'm blanking on until we got Jimmy Haslam who made it a complete like poop show. I think <laughs> I can still say that word uh, in Cleveland with all the, all the stuff that has happened there over the past few years. And yes, Dolan has, probably can't afford to own a baseball team is what it looks like, but at least we, he's just stayed out of the way of management and the team has been successful and they've kept their smart people and the smart people want to stay there and they don't, it, yeah, they do have a lot of people who get grafted off and, you know, Matt Blake, Ruben Niebla, uh, you know, Carter Hawkins, uh, Ross Atkins and try, I mean, they're all over, but it's maybe the best skill in terms of what uh, the people at the top two is identifying talent and they just, it's a never ending train of that. And they're always willing to listen, learn and adapt. People want to stay in Cleveland, whereas people in the front office of the Rockies sometimes want to get the heck out of there. And Mark Horning in the live chat says, Paul was talking about smart clubs and the Rocks failures in that regard earlier today. On another note, the Rocks extended their current consecutive airs at home streak to a franchise record at 13 today. So again, lots. The, the one thing I think the big takeaway there is the Guardians have to deal with more of the small market thing. The Rockies are not allowed to hide behind small market anymore. They are not allowed to hide behind attendance because this team will still be a top 10 team in attendance at the end of this year, whether they finish fighting for their lives to the third wild card spot or 20 games below 500 because people love to watch baseball in Colorado, whether it be the Rockies or the team that's in town, which is usually the team that's in town. But hey, if you want to make a little bit of extra money on your next sporting event, maybe you can try Bet Online. Try your luck at betonline.net. It's your number one source for all your betting stats and sports information. Find all the latest sports developments, news, and odds, including this year's basketball championship matchup. Well, you might want to get those bets in because it looked like Golden State was going on quite the run while we're recording this, but the uh, also the Avalanche in the NHL uh, finals as well if you want to bet on that. Major League Baseball all season long and the latest fighting news from MMA to UFC and boxing. 
Bet Online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, the esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action at Bet Online. Bet Online, where the game starts. Now, Jeff, uh, I want to ask. Uh, are you surprised by the Guardians this year? The Guardians, uh, 32 wins and 27 losses now after sweeping the Rockies. I don't think there was necessarily a lot of talk of the Guardians being a, a, a good team or a lot of really buzz around them. But, you know, sitting five games above 500 in a division that seems to have some kind of people underperforming, the, the Guardians seem to be in a pretty good spot as of June 17th. No, I, I said they'd win about 88. That was my call. And the my thought process on that was they literally lost nobody and the youth is starting to hit. And there is so much of it. Like it's, we got in this debate and we did our crossovers internally and everyone, you know, it's like Detroit's got Spencer Torkelson and right. They've got these two big names and you know, it's like everyone had their big name. Kansas city's got Bobby Witt. I'm like, well, I'll be honest with you, Bobby Witt and Kansas city's entire minor leagues. I would not trade for Cleveland's. Like, I don't think the depth in Cleveland is something that is just I most places didn't have Stephen Kwan as a top 10 guy. Save the uh, game for them. In that yeah. Game, and, uh, say, and it's I'm not saying he's going to do what he did in the early going like Oscar Gonzalez is an afterthought because of the, some of this. The the top they have the youngest team in baseball for the second year in a row. Uh, they you know, they're keeping Jose. They made a few uh, deals to lock a few players up, but the top prospects haven't even hit yet. The, the guys who are potentially difference makers aren't even in yet. Like this is a young team. They're still figuring out like what, you know, what places fit together, but I thought they'd be better in a year ago because a year ago they were, you know, an 80 win 80 ish win team and they didn't lose anyone. And the young talent was just starting. Like, I mean, this is a team last year, the number two player in terms of plate appearances for an outfielder was uh, Harold Ramirez. Number one was Bradley Zimmer. Uh, they've mm. where they've moved on to with again just it's and it's all the young guys starting to slowly get that opportunity it's uh, like i said i thought they people were sleeping on them uh, that was one of those things i i was like your depth it's what we learn in all sports maybe except for basketball but like nfl and mlb and even hockey to a degree it's like the high pick isn't always as valuable as having a bunch of seconds it's like having yeah. that depth matters so much in because you never know, like Jose Ramirez was not a top 100 prospect ever. He was the, the the other Jose Ramirez. The Yankees pitching prospect Jose Ramirez was the big name. Shane Bieber wasn't a top 100 guy. Manuel Clase wasn't. Fran Mil Reyes wasn't. None of these guys wore. And then you go to the other side of it. It's like Andrew Benintendi's having a great year this year. But do people remember that he was the number one prospect in baseball? Like sometimes those guys, it, it's never a strict developmental path. It's never necessarily a straight line. Uh, guys go up, guys go down. Few guys uh, just, you know, are Juan Soto and just hit and never have an issue. So I think it's the depth is really important. And I think that's kind of what hurts Colorado to a degree. It's like looking at their prospects. I mean, Ryan Velotti has been like a top prospect. It feels like for half a decade now, like consistently in their top five, they just, they've had high picks, but they just haven't been able to uh, build up any depth of the system or consistently. It feels like draft and develop. And I feel like that's what, I mean, I know there's a lot of things that hold them back, but just as that outside observer, it's like I look at the the prospects now and it's like Drew Drew Romo is a great story because like he is outperformed like they've that's come together. Well, uh, Hassel was uh, not Hassel Dean, the other outfielder from that class, you know, it was a solid pick. It's like Benny Montgomery is a big risk type, but I'm curious to see what they'll do 
how they'll keep doing it. But I feel like that's kind of the difference when I look at these like systems and look at these teams with like just going forward from here. It's like Cleveland still just has depth. Like Gavin Williams was the is eighth ranked in the their system, and he just got added to the pi- pipeline top one hundred. So uh, it's again, it's why I'm very thankful, and it's why like having that management matters so much. The depth isn't there. I mean, there's no, there's a couple of, of exciting Toglia's exciting. Valalde you mentioned is exciting. There's a couple of people, but there's no one that really makes you like very, very, very excited right now. I mean, as they develop, it could be, I think Benny Montgomery has the potential to be yes. really cool. I think Zach, I think the combo of Montgomery and Zach Veen, if that works out, can be an interesting outfield for the Rockies in the post Chris Bryant era. But here's the deal. Two of your best developed players no longer play for you. And one of them was under an eight-year deal and was going to be here for the long haul and was a generational player. And the other one is now playing second base in Boston. The Rockies aren't a draft and develop team. Honestly, I'm kind of tired of... The Rockies don't have a true identity other than signing old vets to come and see if they'll get an offensive resurgence at Coors Field and to say they're draft and developed to hide behind the fact that they're not good at red front office management. I mean, this should be a golden era of Colorado Rockies baseball, and instead it is a, a terrible time. The Rockies should be in championship contention led by Nolan Arenado and Trevor Story. This is a team that had Nolan Arenado, Trevor Story, and DJ LeMahieu in their infield not even five years ago. It's a it's a constant disappointment, and the uh, it, it's really tough. Honestly, it's really starting to wear on me because Chris Bryant has not played at all uh, this year. Uh, you could have gotten Castellanos and Schwarber for less than Chris Bryant, and they would have been an interesting pair. But you have that already huge logjam. You already have players that. What are you going to do with Sam Hilliard? What are you going to do with with some of these players that have been on the team for a bit? Those old prospects that haven't really developed into anything much. The Rockies are very much uh, stuck in the mud. But but Jeff, it's it's exciting to hear good stuff from Cleveland, Ohio, very near and dear to my heart. I'm a Bobcat myself, an OU Bobcat from uh, from Athens. A lot of Cincinnati ties. And Mark in the chat says, uh, always been a fan of Francona. Used to watch him and Tim Raines play here for the Denver Bears at the time as an Expos AAA affiliate. But uh, Jeff, anything uh, left on this series before we wrap it up? I know we didn't dive too much into this series, but again, there wasn't necessarily a lot of quality baseball. I think the more interesting conversation is the philosophies of these two teams in the two different directions they seem to be going. Yeah. It's, you know, it's even something small, like I know I'm talking long here, but it's like, I, I was a huge, huge fan of Taron Vavra back in the day who uh, I think they traded for Michael Givens. It's like, he is the perfect analytical darling, like son of a coach young for his age performed as a cold weather player. Like all those indicators we look for, all those ones I've been trained to look for, you know, uh, one of those indicators that often people don't know about is like bat pip in college and low minors is not luck. It's actually a sign of like hit ability, like a player having a potential plus hit tool. And I mean, you look at him, I'm not saying he's unnecessarily be a star, but I just pulled him up. But it's like so far this year, he's got, you know, he's never had a season in the minors with an OPS under 800. And, wow. you know, he was he's always he's moving through the systems. He's playing in triple A right now with an 864 OPS and uh, 81 at bats. Like he's, he was not a top 10 guy when I was writing for scout. He was my favorite pick in that draft class, but that's exactly the type of guy that like an organization can't afford to miss on. And a guy that like, if you're a little more of an analytical bend, 
he is not the one you're willing to trade away. You're like, there's a little bit of too much of a chance there. So it's just things like that where I go back and I look at stuff and those players I think about where I'm like, why was he the guy they traded? Like they could have given a lot of, and I know why Baltimore targeted him. I know Baltimore has that high analytical base and they also know all those indicators and they're, they're like, well, can we get him? And for a reason it was like, yeah, well, he's not a great athlete. He's not this, or a, but it feels like I, just outside observer. It feels like Colorado is stuck kind of like in this, you know, pre money ball, go for yeah. big guys and a, go for big guys who throw hard, hit the ball hard and are athletes. We're not going to look at, can they make contact? We're not going to look at things like spin rates and tunneling. We're not going to look at all of that data. The team like the guardians mines heavily. We're just going to look, are they big? Do they throw hard? Do they hit the ball hard? And then it ends there. And I mean, sometimes it works out, but it's also why I feel like there's been so many misses. I would rather the Rockies go to approach. Give me nine Connor Joes. Give me nine Connor Joes. Give me people with one Connor Joe being able to hit more home runs, one Connor Joe being a little faster. But I'd rather have that type of player. That's why the Giants are so good. I swear. The Giants don't have names. They don't have big names that you're going to hear often, but they're going to come into your ballpark. They're going to score eight runs in three games in a row because they're going to double you to death. And then someone's going to hit you a, a, a ball uh, out the yard. But, you know, that the, it was, uh, it's been frustrating, but uh, Jeff, we're, we're going to get ready to wrap things up here. Where can people go to stay up to date with all things uh, Guardians and uh, yourself? Yeah, I just I want to agree. Daza was a very bright spot. Uh, yeah. I said Mark mentioned I someone I was not familiar with before the series. So I, I would say when things He's get bad, huge. look I at mean, him. He was he was potentially not having uh, not having a spot on the lineup i mean he was it was uh he's good because he's fast faster in the outfield and played better defense his offensive surge has been awesome yeah it was it was a, a nice as a fan of baseball it was a nice little discovery as i watched this series you can follow me on twitter at jeff mlb draft uh that's where i do everything for him you know talking about the draft that is still a, a big passion of mine to you know a lot of guardians base coverage it's it's like i would say nowadays about 70 percent guardians 30 percent draft as we get five weeks out might start tipping a little bit more but uh yeah that's that's a primary uh you know i'm always happy to get more subscribers on the the youtube side of it that's always a hard thing for all of us over uh in the baseball world but uh yeah if you follow me on twitter at jeff mlb draft check out locked on guardians if it's your thing and you know like i said even if it's you're not like i don't care about the guardians might be worth perusing as we get closer to the draft i mean i even i've dropped like a, my top 30 players i did a crossover mock last week with Lindsay. you can go find out who i I think I had the Rockies picks. You can go find out who I mocked to the Rockies with that selection. Jeff's been covering the game for a long, long time. You're not going to get a lot better coverage than what Jeff does over there. Jeff MLB draft for you. Guardians fans. I'm at Paul Holden 33. I'm Paul Holden. I am your big Rockies goober type of guy. I'll always love this team as much as they make me want to pull my hair out and frustrating. And as we get to sit here, I get to have all the fun. I, I, I get a little jealous. The Broncos podcast gets to talk about this whole new look Broncos team. The Nuggets get a back-to-back -back MVP, the Avalanche are in the Stanley cup finals and the Rockies are now 10 games below 500 so it's been a, a blast but yeah it's a it is folks if you're listening the your subscription on youtube is a massive massive help to your favorite locked on host so go give locked on guardians go give locked on rockies a, a sub on youtube and when you do you can pop in the live chat just like mark and hart did here in our live chat as well but uh but jeff thanks you thank you again so much for the time no problem i was just gonna ask on the way out is is joe rock your favorite minor leaguer with the rockies ou tie in there I did get I I mean I am pretty excited. I was very pumped. It was it was very cool. 
I did an interview with the voice of the Bobcats, Russ Eisenstein, about it. Uh, I, I am very much – you can't see it, but I got a Jackie O's uh, poster above up here. Mm. So I, uh, anytime Bobcats get to interweave with professional uh, anything and then it's Rockies related, it can't get much better than that. And, uh, you know, what better last name to have for a Rockies player than, than Rock? Uh, but uh, for Jeff, I'm Paul Holden, and we're saying so long from the Locked On Podcast Network.